Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of Sox on Tap. I am Johnny Nani. Tonight, I have Tony Marchese with me, and guest week continues. We have, from Barstool Sports, Chuck Naso, big Sox fan himself. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of this show, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter, at Sox on Tap, and at Ontap Sportsnet. So, first of all, it's guest week. Chuck, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight, my man? Uh, pain. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> I, I think I just, uh, so I usually watch the games just laying in bed over here to my right. Um, and I think I just laid there looking at the ceiling for a solid 25 minutes after that game with no emotions. Um, just the ups and downs of the game was, were really crazy. Um, so yeah, could be better, but there were some good things in that game. So not too yeah. bad about it. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll go over all of it, and I think we're kind of uh, at the spot. And Tony is one of the first like losses like this that we've had that's so you know high stakes and so intense and back and forth here. So how are you doing, man? Uh, the word pain really resonates with me. Um, uh, it's just I'm I'm at a I'm at a loss for words right now, and I'm sure there will be a time during this podcast where I go on a rant and and White Sox fail will be made happy. Uh, but right now, I'm just focused on getting this next beer down and putting thoughts together. And so I'm going to let you guys talk. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's get into the game first before we kind of uh, get further into the guest here. Uh, White Sox dropped this one in extras, 5-3 to three the final tonight. Um, it was a Reynaldo Lopez start. Got hit hard, but uh, only let up the one. So uh, that was at least encouraging uh, because we've seen things spiral out of control with him in the past. Other initial thoughts here, Angel Hernandez fucking sucks. Uh, he was brutal all night. He's been brutal all season every time we've seen him. And unfortunately, it's not the last we're going to see of him this year. Uh, other than that, you know, it was good to see the comeback. Chuck talked about some positives here. Uh, there was a comeback. The Indians were up 1-0. Uh, Bray hits a six-inning home run uh, to tie it. And then uh, we take the lead 3-1 to in the 10th thanks to an angle triple. Madrigal RBI single. But then, of course, Lindor, the RBI double. And Ramirez, the three-run walk-off shot. That's how this one went down so Chuck let's get your initial thoughts uh, from the game here yeah so obviously the big story is Angel Hernandez and I was tracking it in the beginning because I'm looking at what he's calling and he's giving Quantrill who's around the plate most of the most parts he's giving him a lot of strikes out of the zone so then I'm watching Reynaldo Lopez who is historically all over the place which usually I would think an umpire um, it's harder to get that, you know, minuscule off the plate pitch when you're way around the plate. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's like very weird. Um, sorry, I'm losing my track of thoughts. But the um, the Hewer appearance is what I was trying to get to, because when Hewer came in, I remember he was the one that was not getting a lot of borderline strikes that he should have been getting. And he was consistently around the zone. So. That's where I started getting really fucking pissed at him. And it was driving me insane because Reynaldo, I get it. That guy's all over the place. He's not going to get those strikes because he is all over the place. But when there is a guy consistently throwing it in the zone where you should be getting strikes, it should be strikes all the time. If you're calling that pitch, you got to call it both ways. I have no problem if you have a big zone, but you have to call it both ways. That's the yep. big issue. Yeah, what's the line uh, that everyone likes to throw out? You hear it from broadcasters plenty. We've said it on this show before. Uh, consistency is key. Uh, if it's going to be out for one guy, it's got to be, you know, give that a little bit, an uh, inch or two off the plate for the other guy as well. And uh, for listeners that might not know, uh, Chuck was a pitcher at the University of Illinois. So uh, a little insight there, a little background on him. He and I were classmates at U of I. Uh, so uh, good good to hear it from that perspective. Tony, uh, let's hear, let, hear you uh, rant about Angel Hernandez here. I know we're all waiting for it. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Can this guy, like, I, I like, do they have to go and get their eyes checked? Like, is that a mandatory thing for MLB umpires before the season starts to, like, go through, like, an optometrist visit? Like, I want to know what fucking prescription an optometrist gives Angel Hernandez because it's got to be fucking, like, negative 5,000. The guy's fucking all over the place. It's just absolutely ridiculous that this guy still has a goddamn job in the MLB calling these games you if there's one person who can benefit from angel hernandez behind the plate it's probably carson fulmer like it's just <laughs> abysmal watching ball games when there's no consistency johnny you hit right on that it 
it made no sense. It made no sense. I, I just, I, I, I don't really have anything else to say besides like, I wish Hawk Harrelson was sitting in the booth because you'd get like 15 minutes of fucking silence to just at least try and comprehend how this guy is even standing behind home plate. You could put my son at eight years old behind home plate and he'd probably have a better judgment of the strike zone than Angel Hernandez. I don't want to blame the umpire. Both teams were working with this and every single team in the MLB has worked with Angel Hernandez behind home plate. It's been a problem for everybody. You still have to figure out ways to execute. The Sox did that to an extent tonight to put themselves in a position to win a ball game. But geez, man, like, can you catch a break ever? Can you catch a break with him behind the plate? I don't think anybody can. Yeah, it, it was brutal. And obviously you saw Ricky uh, get tossed and uh, Tim Anderson as well. I think Tim was the first to go. Uh, that's who was really drawing at Hernandez at the top step uh, down the wire of this game. And he literally said, they showed the video, he said, that's bullshit. Um, and he was completely right about that, but obviously that's going to get you tossed. So uh, Tim has to leave the game, and then uh, Ricky followed suit, uh, trying to you know kind of defend him, defend his team a little bit there. So um, Chuck, for, from a player's perspective there, uh, obviously that got uh, the White Sox going a little bit, though, because the runs came through after that. That's what I'm saying, when, and especially when we're facing a guy like Bieber tomorrow and we're going for a playoff push, as bad as this loss fucking hurts right now, it it that fire lit under their ass. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen uh, at the end of the series. But that fire is going to be huge coming down the stretch. I think if we would have won a bunch of games and kind of came in their lackadaisical feeling like we're the kings of the world into the playoffs, I think it could actually be a dangerous mindset more than anything. I think people doubting the team will be very big in the postseason. Now, so albeit, I don't want to play the Indians, I don't think, in the playoffs. No. Right now. The way I just keep saying it on Twitter, I, I, I don't want any part of the Indians. They are literally the complete opposite of what the White Sox do well against. It's a lot of right-handed pitchers who throw sliders, and they pitch, they throw strikes, they work fast, and they know how to locate their stuff. They're not going to walk a lot of guys, and the White Sox – just cannot figure out the staff. I keep thinking like, hey, this is the game they're going to figure out. This is the game they're going to figure them out. But they just can't. And um, maybe the loss puts us in a different seating to play a different team with left-handed pitchers or pitchers we've done historically better against. Um, I would just like to see a different team in the playoffs right now. And I think maybe the loss puts us in a position to do that and we can uh, really excel versus another team. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. You brought up some good points there. And one of them we will get to a little bit later when we are talking, uh, bringing up the questions, because we definitely do have some questions regarding uh, playoffs and matchups for you uh, as we get there. But the other thing too, um, I, I kind of like uh, the way that you worded that with the, um, you know, thinking we're the Kings of the world sort of thing on, uh, instead of going in with that mentality, going in with the chip on your shoulder uh, mentality, I, I think that'll be huge. Uh, um, and Tony, it's a, something that we've talked about, you know, the, the lack of experience, obviously, uh, guys, there are certain guys that have had experience that were acquired, um, but the core, uh, doesn't have this experience. So, um, any thoughts from you, uh, on how the mentality could change, uh, between now and the start of the postseason? Johnny, I kind of look at this team in comparison to like a 2015 Cubs team, and uh, more or less a 2009 Chicago Blackhawks team where you've got this excellent core that's built, but they don't know how to take that next step. And and as for as much as I want to see this team go take a World Series right now, let's, let's be honest right now as White Sox fans and kind of set expectations. And you heard Lucas Giolito talk today. Uh, to the media and say like, well, we got to go out and win this thing. Like we're not going to consider anything a success unless we win this thing. Dialing this back a little bit, the core here hasn't done anything to warrant World Series champion expectations. Getting to the playoffs is a great stepping stone. No, I don't think we can consider this a success given the circumstances of the season, just getting there. I, th I feel like winning the division, and they still have a chance to do this, obviously. I feel like that's that's your first step. You're talking about 
winning World Series when you haven't actually gotten to a point where in a normal year, you're the division champions. So they, they need to get their mindset straight right now. And I, I like I like the fact that they're facing some adversity right now. And I also agree with the standpoint that going into this with the chip on your shoulder rather than the number one seed is probably better for the Chicago White Sox right now to do that. Do they have the potential to be a number one team? I absolutely think they do. They've been there already this year. Uh, but when we dial this back and we look at everything as a whole, there's question marks in the rotation right now. There's question marks in the bullpen right now. There's question marks throughout the lineup. You've got Yohan Moncada, who does not look like himself. Edwin Encarnacion, not playing the way that he has played traditionally and historically throughout his career. You've got a couple of guys in this lineup, and Nick Madrigal, Luis Robert, who've never had a full season of baseball under their belt. They're facing their struggles just like any other rookie is going to. So there, there's no for, there's no real for sure answer to are the White Sox a juggernaut or are they were they overperforming this year? There's there's no way to tell exactly where this lies. At its full potential, this team can come back from a six-run deficit in a single inning and put seven runs on the board. At its very worst, this team could go, you know, and and not even score a run in a ball game, and, and and go on a losing streak for three, four games. We haven't seen a terrible slide. This is probably the one of the worst that we've seen all year. But there's so many question marks that we have about this team that need to be answered in such a short period of time. I mean, we're talking about less than a week of baseball going into the playoffs. All I'm worried about right now is getting some of these guys back to a point, not that they're hot, but that they're just able to hit the ball a little bit better, that the pitchers are able to execute the way that they should be. And we're going to have to see what happens, but I'm, I'm in no way, shape or form ready to go put some money down right now and say, this team is going to be a world series contender in this, in this shape right now that they're in. And some of this also has to come back to Ricky Renteria and the lineup construction. You see Adam Engel come in and pitch hit not not once, but multiple times this year. Yep. Multiple times this year, coming in and outperforming Nomar Mazzara. So are they even fielding the best nine is a question that we have to ask ourselves as fans. When you look at the lineup every day, should James McCann be in? over Edwin Encarnacion, and that answer is probably yes. I know that the, the, there's so many question marks right now around this team that they're going to have, if they're, if they're going to be a World Series contender, they're going to have to get a little bit lucky. And, and most World Series contenders do, but you're going to have to get a little bit lucky. It's not just going to be purely based on the talent that this team has on its roster because there's lineup construction that goes into that. There's guys that are underperforming and there's also guys that are overperforming. So it's just, it's such a mess right now. And there's not enough time to really figure this out and get a good critical eye on it. For sure, Tony, you brought up a lot of good points there. And we went kind of big picture, uh, which is good because obviously there is um, bigger things than the series against the Cleveland Indians coming up uh, with the playoffs looming large here. But um, I kind of want to get Chuck's perspective on it. We can draw back to the game here and angle coming in, uh, coming through in the clutch uh, in the 10th inning with that um, RBI triple uh, to give the White Sox the lead initially, obviously, before uh, things went south in the bottom of that inning. But Chuck, uh, playing the best nine here, um, is it time to start? Uh, Adam Engel in right field and James McCann at the H here. Yeah, I was talking to my pops about it. I mean, best case scenario, we have both of them in the lineup in the playoffs. I just don't see it happening because I don't think you're going to have to have a third catcher on your playoff roster, basically. So I think best case scenario, what we get is Angle in right field and you platoon uh, Edwin and Mazzara at DH as much as people are going to hate seeing it. I think that's the lineup where gonna end up seeing because you have to have a catcher coming off the bench i i think that's the big the biggest issue that i see unless we bring up collins um yeah that's i want to see both of those guys because both of those guys throughout the season have had some of my favorite at bats they battle they get deep in counts 
They take the ball the right field. They're not trying to hit home runs every at bat. We have enough guys that can hit home runs and can hit home runs in any count. I just I, I don't need to see free swingers that are batting 160 with 10 home runs or Mazzara who's slapping the ball to left field. Um, it's just tough to see. Like I believe I thought I know I was like going to give Mazzara in the beginning of the season the benefit of the doubt. Um, he was looking looked really excited trying to pull home runs every time, and then you could definitely see the shift in the season where he was trying to average up and take the ball to left and now he can't hit the home runs and it's just kind of like this isn't the season to be trying to figure uh your whole swing out you know if you can't do it you put in the guy that has done it and in the beginning of the season i'm like oh adam angle you know they're putting him in a position to succeed facing left-handed pitchers you know uh good matchups for himself but now every time they put him in even just the right-handed pitcher tonight he still performs and he still is always going to play better defense so i just think he has to be in there He's, he's in your best nine, but I yep. wish James could be in there too. So, yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see if they do um, look to go with a Zach Collins uh, on that roster as a third catcher. And then maybe you leave off a guy like Dylan Cease or Reynaldo Lopez. I think that's a very realistic uh, possibility that we could be talking about come playoff roster here. So obviously we all know how this one ended. We don't need to linger and talk about the three run home run. And they, you know, they said Calame came out after the ninth, uh, despite only throwing six pitches because he had back spasms. We could debate the legitimacy of that all day. And if that was just a cover story for Ricky or whatever, but um, let's get through a few more positives here because, because um, as a former pitcher, Chuck, I got to know uh, what you think of Garrett Crochet came in and faced the top of the Indians lineup throwing smoke. Uh, it got him, uh, you know, it got him all out. It was a clean inning and obviously his debut in Cincinnati is very impressive. So uh, thoughts on Garrett Crochet so far. So this is the first time I've really gotten to watch him live. I was uh, getting a little, I was tipping a few back in Chicago last weekend for my buddy's wedding. So uh, I missed uh his appearances last weekend, uh, I just got to see the Twitter highlights and I was pretty pissed about that, but I was very, very, very anxious to see him in a high leverage situation because I, if we are going to use him in the playoffs, you know what? He's got to get his feet wet. And tonight he, he got his feet wet versus two of the best hitters in baseball. You know, you face Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez and you throw only fastballs to him. Basically. I mean, that's pretty impressive to me. Um, it's effortless, 100 plus. It's effortless. And I was actually talking to a uh, big Tennessee from our office, huge Tennessee fan, watches Tennessee baseball. That's how big of a fan he is. Um, and he's telling me he was 95 like last year. So you can definitely tell just from his body structure, I'm guessing his legs just got much bigger this past offseason. That's where that extra, you know, five, seven miles per hour come just because he has a huge frame and it just looks effortless. It looks like shades of Chris Sale, even better almost, how hard he throws it. Obviously, I haven't even seen a slider yet that much, so I'd love to see that more because he hasn't even thrown – he doesn't have to throw sliders. He just throws fastballs past guys. It's pretty It's pretty impressive, and that's a huge weapon, especially especially if we get Aaron Bummer back. I mean, that bullpen – I'm going to play devil's advocate here because, uh, Tony, you were talking about the bullpen, how there's question marks. If Bummer comes back, I mean – I don't have a question mark at all about that bullpen. We're talking Bummer, Crochet, uh, Hewer, and then uh, Foster. And then you, you can it off to Kalame. I mean, that's four solid guys that can all go two innings, especially with these no off days in the postseason. I think it's going to be very big bullpen games, and I think we're going to have a good time uh, facing other teams' bullpens. So, yeah, I, I really think Crochet was the right move to bring him up at the right time. And that's why I said, I think I tweeted out earlier, I was like, regardless of the outcome, even if they lose this game, this was a huge positive because it's going to be more, this, him pitching this game is going to be mean more to me than us winning this game tonight. So I think that was big. No, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with the fact that seeing him in a high leverage situation was absolutely the right move tonight you the stuff absolutely plays i think the control is going to be the key for gary crochet going forward this season obviously we don't know what the white Sox plans are with him long term um I, he did come in as a starter he was drafted as a starter i don't know if you know he turns into an andrew miller type and that becomes the uh the prototypical name that you hear for two inning bullpen guys that can get you through the, the sixth, seventh or seventh, eighth inning. But 
I mean, there, Johnny, you've said it so many times. Throwing smoke is cool and tough. <laughs> and when Garrett Crochet is on the mound, I haven't seen anything that cool and tough in the White Sox bullpen in quite a while. It's fucking impressive. And it's it's just something that you haven't seen around baseball. Like you get the high leg kick. You get all this momentum coming through. And, uh, uh, Chuck, you, you kind of hit on this. I don't think he's fully grown into his frame yet. And that's what's even more scary to me is that the upper body doesn't even look fully developed. And we're talking about a 21-year-old throwing 101 miles an hour. You had a couple more pounds on that, a little more arm strength, and holy shit, you're talking about just a massive guy that I would never, ever want to step into the batter's box against. It's it's scary. Amir Garrett thought he was a bad motherfucker. Uh, yeah. I think Crochet needs to start saying he's a bad motherfucker every time he throws 102 because it is insane. It's the easiest 102 I've ever seen. It's it, very impressive. And the control... The control, I think he's just excited. It's not even like nervous control. He was just excited to throw fast as shit. That's why everything was just flying out like that. And then the good the good sign is he started figuring it out and he started dotting up. Like I, I look at a guy like C's who has the stuff and it's just all over the place and he's a head case. He just looks like he's dotting it up and it's not an issue. And that's also where the no fans thing comes into play. I think if you get into the postseason, there's no fans. It's The situation's not going to be too big for him. It's just going to be the same as it was. There's going to be no fans. The pressure's not going to be as big. It's going to be a playoff game, but you're not going to have fans in your ears. So I really think this is the perfect situation to, to have a rookie high-leverage uh, reliever. Yeah, absolutely, Chuck. Um, I think you guys hit the nail on the head perfectly with crochet. As Tony said, I always say it. I'll say it again. Throwing smoke is cool and tough. He does a whole lot of it. I'd like to see him in a few more, uh, if possible, here over the next few games. Uh, you know, Obviously, we got uh, two left with Cleveland three over the weekend with the Cubs. Um, I'd like to see him in a, uh, another high leverage situation, see how he handles it uh, once again. And uh, then, you know, it's full go for the playoffs. And I think you can uh, trust him in there if he, if he gets the job done again. So other than that, uh, Chuck, you brought up a name earlier, Matt Foster, tough spot for him tonight because uh, he was, uh, was throwing on back-to-back days here. Unfortunately, he picks up the loss uh, in this one. But um, overall, though, I mean, that guy has been, uh, very welcome surprise. Someone that was not even on the radar uh, of who is going to be a very effective arm in this bullpen. So uh, I think we, you know, and that's also the situation with Kalame. You'd have to imagine Kalame is out there if he's healthy. Healthy. I'm doing finger air quotes here. Um, who knows uh, what the hell that was at the end of the game there. But um, so I can't really rag on Matt Foster too much uh, for this one. And obviously Jose Ruiz um, gave up the home run uh, that ended up being the game winner. So that may have uh, he may have pitched himself out of a uh, playoff roster spot. Can we there, never say his name again? Plan. Yeah, that's you know it's funny because Steve NWI Steve on the show uh, he he has been uh, impressed with just the uh, the stuff that uh, Ruiz has, but obviously you got to be able to put it together, uh, not leave fastballs uh, low for uh, Jose, uh, yeah Jose Ramirez um, with the game on the line. So um, other than that, one more positive from this one was Nick Madrigal, and I like to get on him a lot. Um, I like to get on him for the dumb base running plays and whatnot, but uh, another clutch hit tonight for him. Uh, the average is uh, three forty eight for him. It, it's uh, impressive to see what he can do as a rookie and then you know when you need that contact spot there uh, to add that extra run because you'd like to imagine if Calme came in for that 10th then uh, this ball game is over um, and it's a White Sox winner so um, still a nice for from, uh, yeah exactly exactly so uh, unless you guys have any more uh, on this game we can get to some questions for Chuck here I think this game I just I just want to like uh, end with this I think this game um was frustrating to lose, but I'd rather lose a game like this than watch ten and a half walks or how many walks we had in Cincinnati and just effortless performances and just lazy performances like we saw in Cincinnati. I think a, a, a hard-fought performance like tonight, it sucked how we lost, but there's some positives that you can always gain out of that. So I think that was very big, especially going into the playoffs. So that's huge. Tony, anything final? Uh, I'm going to just take a dovetail off of uh, what Chuck said and and just go the complete opposite and say, if you're preparing for the playoffs right now, you have to find a way to win this fucking ball game. Um, and this is going to be very on brand for me. Um, and maybe a little bit negative Nani here. Um, Ooh. 
you have to win ball games that you have leads in and extra innings. And regardless of the fact that Alex Colome had back spasms, and I don't even know if that's that's true or not, and we're not going to touch on it. But the fact that you were not able to close this one out, if we're talking about a ball game a week from now, that could be the difference in your season. Yes, I do agree with the fact that I'd rather lose these games right now than a week from now, but this team has been on the downtrend since they've clinched a playoff spot. They need to figure out how to get back in the win column consistently. Going into a three-game series, there's not a lot of room for error. Depending on who you match up with, you might get three righties right in a row. We're going to have to figure out ways to win ball games. And when you have them in your hand, you have to close them down. You got to figure it out. And and that's plain and simple where we're at. Figure out how to close ball games down that you should win. The, the Indians have been a problem. The Twins have been somewhat of a problem for us. We haven't seen anything from the East or West yet this year. So there's not going to be a lot of familiarity if you match up against a team that's out of your division in the playoffs. It's not exactly looking great right now. I'm hoping that we can right the ship. We've got two more games against the Indians, and then we go in against the Cubs. Let's finish this year on a high note. That's all I have to say. Good points from both of you there. Uh, closing this one down, I would probably be a combination of those two. No need to regurgitate them, though. My last point, though, from this game is uh, better nut up right now because uh, don't get any easier with the top of the Indians rotation coming up and then a Cubs team uh, that will be hungry this weekend as well. So that's it. That's my last thoughts here. Let's get into some questions, though. Um, I want to kick it off, uh, send one over to Chuck, and that is which White Sox player are you most impressed with this season and why? I think it's got to be Abreu. I mean, everyone was down on that move when they signed him this offseason. You're lying if you said, if you didn't say to yourself, like, I don't know, he's getting a little old. We got Andrew Vaughn coming up, you know, uh, and the shades of Abreu past have have been kind of lackluster. So I always had that thought in the back of my head if we traded him to a contender these last couple offseasons or uh, during the trade deadline that he was going to be that that kind of spark plug on one of those teams in the postseason. I think and I think the postseason just lit a fire under his ass this year. It's it's been very impressive. He uses all the all fields and I think the younger guys, especially like Eloy, I think is learning a lot from him. Just I just see that approach where they're both spitting on sliders and they're taking the ball to the right. I I can just I, I can see him being an absolute force in the playoffs. He was always going to be my guy that even if he didn't perform during the season that well this year, I always thought he was going to pop off during the playoffs. So it's awesome to see him doing well because he's been through through the thick and thin. Yeah, MVP though, for sure. Uh, I think I'm very impressed with him as well. Um, I'm going to steal a question that Tony asked White Sox Dave, uh, your coworker last night, Charlie, and that is um, how would you line up the pitching staff for a three-game series? And I'll take it a step further after that. Say they do win that, how do you do it for a five-game series then? I think you obviously. I think you got to go Giolito game one, and then I think you got to go Keuchel because that next game's gonna be must win regardless. And then you're going Dane Dunning because he's gonna throw strikes. Um, I just you can't do C's. I can't do it. He, he's it's it's unbearable. It sucks we don't have Kopech because Kopech. I really I think he's gonna be that guy. Besides all the mental issues and stuff like that, I, from what I've heard, um, those are kind of over. And he's. Uh, He's going to be that dude. I've never seen that kind of command with the stuff he has. So sucks we don't have him this year. Um, but we got to ride with Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning, even in college in Florida, I played uh, at the same time while while he played in Florida. And uh, he was really impressive to watch him big games when he played for uh, Florida. And he's just around the zone. And even if you look at a bad game like he had yesterday, you know what? He got hit around a little bit, but he wasn't walking guys. Um it it's just it's just you give up home runs sometimes you give up four runs sorry it's it just happens so and he settled down too I think that was and he big settled down some adversity he, yeah and he competed and and that that's what I look for like I just hate when guys start walking guys and lay down and they don't have that drive so I definitely think Dane's competitor um, and then a five game series obviously 
first three again. Um, and then you're probably, I liked what Dave said with Gio Gonzalez. I heard him say that I, I, I like that because when, once you get to four or five, it's going to be a bullpen game. Basically you're playing bullpen games with a starter, um, whatever they can give you. So I think you could go Gio and I think you could go as weird as Reynaldo, maybe. I just don't think Seas is around the zone enough. Like, Reynaldo showed way more than him his last couple starts. If you had the poem, you had the poem. I think our bullpen's really deep. And I think we have a deeper starting five than most teams. So um, I, I think we'll compete in a five-game series. I'm more nervous about the three-game series, especially if Giolito doesn't show up. Um but Keuchel, man, that's been the best offseason addition I've seen. I mean, he's very, very impressive, especially switching to just out of the stretch. I think that was a big difference for him this year. Um, he's just all around the zone and gives us seven or eight. That's going to be huge in the playoffs, especially with no off days. We really got to save the bullpen. So that's what I got. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm with you on the volatility of a three-game series. Uh, scares the absolute living shit out of me. Um, but, hey, I, I guess that's what we live for. We, we've been dying to get back to the postseason. Uh, time to, as I said earlier, nut up and do it. Get the job done. So um, moving on here, then, uh, last question about the playoffs. Um, what are your realistic expectations for the White Sox in these 2020 playoffs? I would love to see them do a 2015 Cubs, you know shock the world, make it to the, I guess it's not shock the world. I mean, we were literally the best fucking team in the American league <laughs> for the while, the last couple of weeks. Um, they turn it on at the right time. I could see us playing in October I, or at the end of October. I, I really do see that just because of the bullpen, these games are going to turn into bullpen games. You know, you might have your Garrett Cole games or a Lucas Giolito ace or Shane Bieber ace type game. But after that, it's going to be a dogfight, especially with no off days. You can't bring your starters back, and I think our bullpen is very, very deep. So if we start hitting and those, and a guy like Mankata turns up um, and Robert turns up in these games, uh, I really can see them competing in the World Series. Now I'm scared shitless of the Dodgers. That's that's a team that would absolutely be a scary they're, team. They're I would juggernaut. That's the definition of it. I would take a ticket to play them because I still think our offense can play with any offense in baseball. And I think over a longer series, we're built, we're built way better than these other teams. I mean, like the Yankees, they have injury concerns. Then you get deeper in their staff and it's Jay Happ and lefties that we would absolutely mash. And their bullpen's not as deep as years past. Um, I look at the Astros. I guess the Astros have a bunch of random guys right now. Um, other teams that scare me, the A's, Blue Jays don't really scare me. Twins bullpen sucks. Um, Indians, that's that's probably my number one scariest team in a three-game set. In a five-game set, I'm pretty confident against the Indians because I think we can hit their bullpen. Uh, we've seen it before. It's just in a three-game series, you can absolutely stack a team. So, Yeah. Good, good rundown there. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how things play out um, here. So, um, like I said, that was my last question on the playoffs um, this year. Let's not forget our roots. Uh, you're from Chicago. Uh, you've been a White Sox fan for life. Uh, you've been through the shit years here. So I got to know. Um, we like to joke a lot here. So who was your least favorite player of the rebuild era and why? Oh, man, that's tough. I, I, I hate a lot of guys. Uh I actually, this is a, a confession. I hated Ross Detweiler a lot before this year. That, oh, was, that hurts. Was, yeah, he Ross pissed me off a lot last year, and I actually had a tweet. Uh, I can't wait to not never watch Ross pitch again or something like that this for the rest of my life. And then he just like shoved fucking zero ARA down my face for the next two months. So <laughs> I'd like to eat those words back. Um, Obviously, Adam LaRoche is a huge one. I mean, yeah. that was a whole disaster. Who else? Uh, yeah, that's probably the big one, Adam LaRoche. I mean, that was just, for me, in an office full of fans that are from a bunch of different teams, the nationally embarrassing stories are always the ones that hurt the most for me. So, mm -hmm. Eli running into fucking nets and inside the park home runs, then I'm hearing that the White Sox are trash because they watch one play they saw on Twitter. And yeah. you know, I got to fight. You see me and Dave fighting every time we're in there. I'm I'm ready for a dog yeah. fight. Yeah, I'm, I want that Yankees trash motherfuckers with the chains and the flap rims. I want every piece of them. They are way too cocky, way too confident, and I just want any of those teams. So, 
Yeah. You, so you kind of uh, transitioned there into my last question that I had. So I'll, I'll after I ask you this one, I'll go back to what my uh, last one, White Sox specific was. But best advice for holding your own against those loudmouth East Coast fans? I mean, they're all talk. I mean, they're they're all talk, and I I I just think White Sox fans are a special breed of fan. Um, I think these like the Yankees fans like they want to be Yankees fans for like two days when they're in the postseason and, and talk that trash. But I, the White Sox fans, I, all I care about is the White Sox. I, I could tell I could tell you right now, like could could care less about the Bulls, could care less about the Blackhawks, could care less about the Bears. If the White Sox are good. That's the only team I ride with. I guess fighting line. I too, you know me. But uh, but yeah, man, I live or die by them and and. And I could talk that shit all day with them, especially when I get fired up, man. I, and you can't get past me and Dave. We'll, we'll just be in your face the whole time if we're doing well. And if we suck, you know, I, 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 I've had, an, I've seen a lot of bad baseball, so I can wear it a little bit when we suck. I just, I, I felt like tonight, I felt the pain, and you know, it just felt, it felt warm again. The pain, <laughs> <laughs> very familiar, like very familiar like, feeling, yeah. Yeah, it felt like 2017 when Jose Ruiz would probably give up a fucking three-run home run, but except it's a playoff run, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for, for sure, for sure. Just had to get your uh, take on that since you are right there on the front lines with them uh, working out in New York at Barstool Sports. So um, last one for me before I turn it over to Tony um, is obviously we know the big names, uh, Garrett Crochet, Andrew Vaughn, that are in the pipeline here. So which White Sox prospect outside of those two guys do you think could make a big impact in the next few years in their competitive window? I like Blake Rutherford. I think he's young. I think he's under the radar. I think he was a very talented high school prospect that still hasn't grown into his body yet and still hasn't figured out his full game. You know, like a lot of those high school guys are are contact contact guys with speed when they draft them, and they haven't fully developed in terms of uh, strength and stuff like that. And I just saw that there's a story about him the other day where he, he was performing really well and opening eyes out there. I think he's kind of a good fit in the outfield left-handed hitter. If you find some pop, play some defense, I think that could be a really good piece where we don't have to go out on the market and waste money. We could go resign uh, guys down the road instead of trying to give a big contract to a right fielder. Great point. Uh, and they're going to be in need of a right fielder. Obviously, we know how this Nomar Mazzara experiment is working out. Fucking dog shit. So, Tony, uh, turn it over to you for questions for Chuck. All right, Chuck, Johnny asked you all the hard-hitting what's going on this year type stuff. Uh, so this is going to be a bunch of nonsense. I don't know you. This is the first time we've chatted. How did you become a White Sox fan, Chuck? Let's let the listeners know. What drew you into this White Sox fandom? Uh, so Chuck Sr., my father, is a diehard White Sox fan. Um, my mother grew up in a Cubs fan household. And she was immediately uh, changed over when she married my dad. So it started young. It was the uh, it was the only team I watched, man. I used to watch those games as a kid. I used to, uh, I, I remember the old days, early 2000s when I was a kid. I used to literally print out the, the stat sheet and I would score the game at home. Literally, I was that big of a dork. I knew all their averages. I used to do the stances in the driveway, Ray Durham, Jose Valentin, Herbert, the milkman, Perry, all that type of stuff. Um, so, yeah, we had season tickets all, all all throughout when I was growing up. I think Section 127, uh, right behind the corn elote stand. So you got a nice little uh, steam every once in a while on a cold on a cold uh, day and uh, next to the brats and some beers. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just love the White Sox. Uh, I actually – my one of my dad's pers- – one of my good – friends now is uh don paul the pope uh he was a good mentor to me back in the day when i was pitching actually um just a guy who didn't have a lot of good stuff but was around the zone was a oak lawn guy south side guy it was it's a good story man i just i think i could never see myself as a cubs fan i just feel like it's too too branded and too you know bandwagon blackhawks fanny to be a cubs fan you would know that johnny where everyone jumps on the bandwagon oh yeah absolutely I just feel like that's kind of the vibe I get with that team. And even with the White Sox success right now, I don't feel it. And it feels great to not see that. You know, it's just the, the, the guys that have been with it from the beginning. So it's been a really good culture with the fans right now. Absolutely agree with you on the culture standpoint. Johnny and I kind of 
know exactly what you're talking about with the Blackhawks remark. Uh, been a Hawks fan for as long as I can remember, and I know Johnny has as well. We 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 do it. We do a good podcast over at uh, Four Feathers Pod uh, together, Johnny and I, um, covering the Hawks. But I, I know exactly what you're talking about uh, with the bandwagon fandom and and all that stuff. I, I will say, I know you're in New York, but I have seen Chuck. I went to Walmart the other day. Just walking through the store, I saw at least 10 Sox hats in a Walmart that is filled in uh, on the south side. I'm in Lockport. Johnny, you know that. I'm in Lockport. They don't even have Sox merchandise there. It's all Cubs stuff. If you go into, like, the men's section, it's all Cubs stuff. And there's a ton of people in, 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 in Sox gear yeah, in, late, in, in late September. It's, it's incredible to see just the, the the recognition and people are coming out and, and, and rooting for this team. I'm I'm not all about the bandwagon stuff, but it's just been interesting over the last two years. I've seen somewhat of a shift. I've seen more socks gear out there and around. How would you feel Chuck, if the Sox became one of those teams, would it, would it lessen your fan experience? No, I don't think it would lessen my fan experience just because like, I would just ignore <laughs> like the randoms and it will happen if they they're good for, few years it's just going to make that energy even better at the stadium and i know you guys like to do the tailgates and all that stuff like that your guys tailgates will only get bigger your podcast will only get bigger um it'll just be more fun it'll just be more big a bigger party but i know that first one is going to be the most fun one because it's going to be the guys that have been here through the the thick and thin so yeah i was actually at in orland park at costco and there was a bunch of like people wearing socks gear and i've been in new york so all i see is you know, flap rim Yankees hats for the past four years of my life. And I was getting goosebumps in fucking Costco in Orland Park watching people wear white socks gear the other day. So that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, but it's it's been really cool to see that, at least. As a, as a former resident of Orland Park, which is where I spent most of my childhood growing up, um, I, I, I love that. I love hearing that. Uh, you mentioned a name. Uh, when you were talking about those early 2000 White Sox teams and Herbert Perry. And I just have to say, when I hear somebody talk about Herbert Perry, you're bringing back my childhood as well right there because he was, he was for some reason, a player that I really fixated on growing well, up. The I, milk, I don't, man. He always delivered, I, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know why Herbert Perry was one of my favorites, but I have to ask the question. If if you're going back to those teams, who was your guy? Man, I so I would say obviously late 2000s. I'm a Canerco guy. Love Canerco. I actually used to. So I played in uh played in Madison for the Madison Mallards, a college summer ball team with Pete Alonzo for uh, a summer or two. And he used to talk about his favorite. It, would, it used to get me jacked the fuck up. That's why I love Pete Alonzo now. He used to talk about the guy he used to love watching hit the most growing up was uh, Paul Canerco because I loved watching him. Uh, loved watching him hit, man. When he retired, it was tough. The earlier teams, um, I'd probably say I actually love Ray Durham, man. I don't know why. Yes. <laughs> I love Ray Durham. He had some sort of a swag about himself that was awesome. He could hit the long ball. Um, play some D. I thought he was awesome. And then Mark Burley. I love Mark Burley. Best games to be at. Pitch, you'd pitch fast, throw strikes, you know, kind of that underdog mentality. Love that guy. All right. Back to some, some relevant day White Sox stuff. Johnny didn't ask this question, but if you're lining them up, if you're Ricky Renteria, game one of the playoffs, what's your one through nine look like? Um, I think you got it. You go T.A., and then I wish they would experiment with it now, but I think you put Luis Robert in the two-hole. Then you go Yaz. Then you go Jose Abreu. Um, in my world, I would want James McCann as the DH. In the, in, or actually, no, I would want Eloy in the five-hole, and then I want James McCann as the DH. Seven-hole, Mancata, eight-hole, Angle, and then Madrigal in the nine-hole. Johnny, I, I almost want to ask you that question, too, just to see where you're at, because my lineup looks very similar to what was just said. 
Yeah, I, I'm right around there, too. Um, I also try to balance a little bit of what's actually going to happen. So, unfortunately, it's probably going to be Edwin in there. Um, if I were to guess, and like Chuck had mentioned, the point about having the catcher there, because I don't know um, what the plan is uh, if for a third catcher, if they're going to do Zach Collins, if they're just going to ride the two um, with Yaz and uh, um, McCann. So I, I would probably go with uh, Edwin being in there, uh, unfortunately. But you never know. You might be able to get the big pop uh, from there. And he also did have uh, that double there uh, to give them a little bit of a threat. Um, so it's not like it's – I know it's overall, yes, it's been pretty shitty. But um, I think there is that. And then there's the element of playoff experience there too. So honestly, I'd probably be pretty damn similar. I get Mazzara the fuck out of there. I'm totally on board with that. I'd never, Tony, you said it last night when you were with Dave. Um, I never thought I would say this, that, uh, you know, start Adam Angle, start Adam Angle now. Let's do it. Um, he's proven it and he's earned it. So, and the, the hitting, he's made the improvements. It's not just like, oh, he's just the, the other option, you know, as bad, but, you know, just the other one who's a little bit faster, plays uh, better defense. No, the, there has been a market improvement uh, when you look at numbers there offensively. So that I would go the same, but Edwin in there instead of McCann. My ideal would be McCann, pretty much just, you know, copy and paste Chucks. But um, when I, I blend realistic in there, it'll be Edwin. I loved what uh, Frank said about Luis uh, Robert in that postgame show, though, or it might have been the pregame show, but he really does need the protection. You can't, you cannot mm-hmm. get in front of Mazzara. I, if I'm a pitcher, I'm throwing him a slider three straight pitches because I know A, he's going to swing, and B, I'm not scared of no more Mazzara behind him. So, and I think you put Yon at the bottom, he can handle himself first breaking pitches. When he's on, and hopefully he will be on, he will be able to handle himself versus and, a guy that can can go at him he's a lot more patient so he's not going to get that's not, I, I didn't mean to, yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but the walk can be huge if you have a contact guy like madrigal at the bottom mm-hmm. i i think i and i was like i was talking it through my head last night and i was like oh you put my cottage towards the bottom he's gonna have less confidence but i think he's already hit fucking rock bottom so i don't think you could get i don't think you get less confident than he is right now so you can only figure it out more from here i think Luis roberts definitely a guy, once he hits that home run, I, I he's going to break out. As soon as he hits that home run to right center, he's going to hit everything in sight. And I've seen flashes of him just lining balls. He hit, he lined a few balls in Cincinnati to right center where he started kind of figuring it out, I think. And once he starts doing that and stops trying to pull the ball, the worst thing he ever did was pull that ball 460 feet or however far he hit it in Kansas City because after that, that's all he wanted to do was pull home runs far. And it's cool to do that, but it's also cool to, you know, poop one over the fence like Eloy does every once in a while to right field. So that's the kind of approach you got to have. Hey, it's also cool to hit above 280. <laughs> you know, like, like, we've got, we've got to, we've got to get to a point where he starts to figure himself out and at least start hitting for that average that we know that he can. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to dig too much into this because I'm sure all three of us could have another hour long conversation on how to fix you on Mancata. Um, Chuck off the wall here. You went to school with Johnny. We know Johnny here on this show as hashtag negative Nani. Was Johnny as negative in college as he is today about the White Sox? Oh yeah. We were probably both negative. It was very, <laughs> and then, and then you add in, Illini sports on top of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Negative everything. I was, you know, it's like the Blackhawks were doing good. It's like, I, I was like, whatever. Like, but I was, I just wanted to see Illinois basketball play well and the White Sox play well. And right now in life, both of those things are starting to turn into a reality and it's kind of freaking me out. I was, Doesn't I seem real. Out. I mean, I just saw Illinois in the, the number four preseason poll for college basketball, and yeah. my heart, like, skipped a beat. <laughs> and we're going to White Sox postseason. I could just see Nani fucking freaking out right now, right, right. Right now too. So. I don't know. I don't know if he knows how to handle success. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. good friends with Nani through the cup runs. I've only been with uh, been friends with Nani through the uh, the rebuild years of the White Sox and the downturn of what's the Blackhawks organization right now. So I'm I'm curious to know what kind of version I would get of Johnny if the White Sox are able to pull this off. Oh, what Chuck? I I don't want to. I don't even want you to talk, Johnny. What what should I expect from this guy if he's I, in my garage 
and the White Sox are able to win a playoff game. What 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 should I expect out of Johnny Chuck? I think it's going to be disbelief. It's like yeah. it's like when Adam Engel when he just admitted that Adam Engel could be an MLB starter. I think it's going to be that times one hundred, and that's going to be me too. I keep thinking, how am I going to watch this game? The last time the White Sox were in the playoffs. I was just a young teenager with no cares in the world. Like, I had no cares in the world. Now there's just, like, I am stressed. I am stressed about this game. I'm thinking about next week's game every day for for the the rest of the week right now. And I think I have to just watch in the closet by myself and just scream because there's no White Sox fans out here. And the scariest thing that could happen to me is that, for some reason, Barstool Sports enjoys my misery and puts me on a camera to die for a White Sox game, which I hope to hell doesn't happen. I will be hiding from that opportunity. I am a behind-the-scenes guy for a reason. As you can tell, my uh, my skills on the mic have been a little rusty. I'm a social media guy, so it takes me a while to get more comfortable behind there. So I'm very, very, very nervous for these playoff games. <laughs> yeah, I, we're a week away next Tuesday. I don't, I don't even know how to handle myself. Johnny, really isn't that your birthday? And that's my birthday, yeah. It starts on my just. It's great at, at, at the fact that I'm seeing it there, and I absolutely love that. But at the same time, I'll be a wreck come, you know, a couple hours before the game. It's it's not going to be pretty. You're going to look, get, over, you're gonna look the, over at Nani. He's going to have 30 bush lights, nervous, nerve-wracking bush lights next to him before the first the first pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the last question I have is, obviously, we can't be in lot B together this year. How do we – and it might not happen this year. But, Chuck – when we're when we're back in the ballpark, are you coming out to an on tap sports not tailgate? Of course, I am bringing uh, the most important White Sox fan from Barstool Sports, Zataida Chimenza, with me, straight from Africa. I turned him into a White Sox fan, and he has he is going to put a voodoo curse on the rest of the MLB until the White Sox win a World Series. Um, he has yet to go to a game yet. He was very excited to go to Barstool at the park this year, and he was going to make a surprise appearance with me. We had it all scheduled out. Um, but he that will be a fucking blast. Zod knows how to party. He just gets after it, and I will get after it. I don't drink as much as like, – Nani knew me in college. I used to get after it in college a little bit. I think my body is, like, worn apart from that, so I've, I've kind of taken some uh, some years off my life. With I went to school for five years, uh, hence – the Instagram account fifth year, that's where it came from. And then, uh, yeah, my body's feeling it. But for uh, on tap sports and that production, I would uh, I would get all fucked up with you guys. No doubt. Yeah, for sure. It's been it's been a great uh, kind of thing over the past couple of years. Uh, we've kind of helped Dave uh, both at opening day and then um, also for Barstool at the park, kind of pinning down a location there. Um, so it, it is uh, nice that we, we're able to uh, work that out because, you know, he comes in uh, from the city. They just take the red line or an Uber down um, and they place to set up shop. And I got the half season plan. So uh, we got the parking spot. Uh, all Tony's got 20 game plan. So we can usually get multiple ones there. It'll be a big old party, especially after post COVID. I mean, holy shit. Um, yeah, the White Sox are actually good, too. Uh, it'll just make it all the more pile it all on. Can't wait. Um, can't wait to have you there, Chuck. You guys need to make the East Coast appearance, though. Before you cut me up, we get cut off. You need to make the East Coast appearance. We need to go to Yankee Stadium and talk that shit to the the Guidos. uh, Yankee Stadium and then go to Boston. I've been to Boston, too, with Jared Carabas. And you talk that shit to him, too. And it's it's a great time. Um, You guys will have a lot of fun in that stadium. It's good banter. I've Uh, I've, I've been on Sunday. It's absolutely phenomenal. If we can get uh, Justin Havens out there, too, I would would love to – to talk that smack to Justin as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. There's uh, just one last thing on this, Chuck. Um, I, you know, Carabas back uh, during the Red Sox World Series run, he had the gold bottles tweets, you know, after every game, and it was always about Red Sox highlights. So. Dave did a version of white of the White Sox version. That was great because, you know, he highlighted all the things the White Sox did well in that game. But this is back in 2018. still a shit rebuild year um, for the White Sox. But I replied to Dave and I had the reversed one, though, and I picked out nitpicked all the negative Red Sox stats. 
like you know whatever <laughs> like devers like 3k or some shit like that um so the, the we're, we're primed uh, we'll, we'll get ready for that uh, definitely when we make the east coast appearance um one last question because we got to get wrapping this up here pretty soon but one last uh question before we preview uh the third game of the series is uh just favorite white Sox player of all time it's obligatory i have to ask it um i'm going burley burley's my guy that's that's who I loved. Uh, that's who I modeled my pitching after. I loved working fast. I think it's one of the biggest intangibles in the game. Uh, you looked at what uh, what Cal Quantrill did the first four innings tonight. He was working fast, and it gets guys all messed up. They start stepping out of the box. I just think it's awesome. I think he has the great underdog mentality. That's my guy. Drinking beers in the World Series. That's pretty fucking cool. So yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool Charles. and tough. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, that's the tagline here. So uh, that, that's let's get into this. Uh, wrap this thing up with a preview of the Battle of the Aces. It will be Lucas Giolito versus Shane Bieber. Giolito's four and three, three five three ERA, eighty six Ks in sixty six and a third. Uh, last time out, he went six, three hits, three earned runs, three walks, four. Uh, strikeouts, unfortunately a loss against Minnesota. Um, and then Bieber, on the other hand, obviously a leader for the AL Cy Young and, and you know, up there in MVP discussions, eight and one, one, seven, four ERA, 112 strikeouts, 72 in a third innings pitch. Last time out was Thursday versus Detroit. Um, he was excellent. Once again, seven and two thirds, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, 10 strikeouts. So I guess the big question for you guys is how do the White Sox even think about getting to Bieber? I think the silence right there is perfect. Well, I just watched the Twins win, so um, we better get our fucking act together tomorrow. That's my biggest. My, that's my biggest thing. I want to see James McCann in that starting lineup, and I want to see fucking Adam Engel in that starting lineup because we already seen James McCann hit a home run off Bieber, and he had the best at bats versus Bieber. Um, that guy needs to be in the lineup tomorrow. All right, Tony. Any points? I think the power of Chaw is yeah. what we need. And I just I just saw Chuck lay one in right now, and I think that that's exactly what we need. We need the power of Chaw. I mean, I said this earlier on in the year, Johnny. If Jose, can, if Jose Abreu could teach Luis Robert how to put a pinch in, you're talking about a perennial MVP candidate. <laughs> just fucking nicotine straight through everybody's fucking veins. Get everybody hyped up. Hit the long ball. And get on the board early. I mean, the Sox have been great at, at scoring the late runs. But fucking, you know, you, you saw the White Sox in, and this is preseason technically this year, get to you, Darvish, and get him out of a ball game early. If you want to make a statement, you get Bieber throwing 85 pitches by the fourth inning, mm-hmm. and you get him out of there. That's what they need to do. They need to work counts. They need to be able to get some hits early, put a few runs on the board, and make him work. We haven't seen it happen in a while, but they have the ability to do this against elite starting pitchers. It's it's happened before. Now's the time to do it. Make him work in the first four innings. Get to that bullpen as soon as you possibly fucking can. Yep, I, I like that, and I uh, just doubling down on the patience there. I want to see anyone bitching tomorrow, uh, even if they make outs after doing that. But if Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Moncada see a bunch of pitches and work Bieber up a little bit, I don't want to see anyone bitching about what the result of Grandal's at bat was, if it's a you know second inning ground out or something. But he you know, had me, an yeah, eight, nine pitch some, at bat. Give me exactly. some nine so pitch at bats. That's, that's what I, I see. It's care. like I saw, I saw someone's take that was Yasmani Grandal never sees a pitch that he wants to hit. It's like, no. That's not the approach that he has there. It's it, you don't understand the importance of OBP, and that's what kind of a calling card has been for him uh, for the longest time. So I agree that just uh, it's something that grinds my gears. Uh, Peter Griffin would say, um, but when I hear that about Yaz, because uh, it's just you know it's part of his profile. That's what just he does. Watch what so the, uh, watch what the Indians hitters do. I mean, they're yeah. doing doing the same exact thing to our pitchers. Same with the Twins. They're what they did to Lucas Giolito. What, fu- what fucked with Lucas Giolito was they took a bunch of pitches, they fought off a bunch of pitches, and then you're in the second inning and you have 45 pitches and you need you need to figure it out. And then you're in the bullpen by inning five. And once we're in the bullpen, I know we can beat the Indians. It's just getting to the bullpen. You cannot have those quick at-bats where we're rolling over a slider first pitch. And I, I know people get on yes because he's taking balls down the middle every once in a while, but sometimes that's needed. You need to take 
a few pitches, have those nine pitch at bats, and it changes everything, especially if you get a walk. If you get that like 10 pitch walk, I, I don't think that's the criticism you can have with, with the edge. The, the biggest criticism you can have, him dropping the ball, but that's, that's yeah. their time in another place. Um, Let's just catch the fucking ball. That's all yeah, that is. It's, you know, that's it. It's not a whole process thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was an old uh, Dan Hartlip quote was if you drop the ball, you just say, catch that, catch that shit, catch that fucking ball. That's that was all I would say, play catch in the chest. That's all you got to yeah. do. If you didn't know, uh, Dan Hartlip, coach at uh, University of Illinois, uh, for listeners <laughs> that may not be familiar. So um, that's about it. All, all I've got for this one. It's a 5, 10 p.m. start once again. I know there's some mixed reactions to this. Uh, I like it because we can get these shows done earlier, but I also uh, don't like it because I think it throws my body rhythm uh, off. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's 1030 and I'm like midnight drunk right now yeah yeah exactly exactly for me east coast time uh that's huge because this the eight o'clock east East coast time kill me man so um i'm glad they're starting a little bit early right now but yeah for for sure i I bet you're really really... i don't like the daylight that steve stone was talking he was talking about today with the uh with how the indians like to play in the daylight because it's harder to see the ball earlier earlier in the day so um that's a little tricky by them so yeah interesting stuff out there but uh nevertheless that's when it is uh both these final two games the series will be there uh this one that we were talking about uh wednesday september 23rd uh julio bieber uh should be an excellent one uh appointment viewing there so uh pick to click for uh this game uh we'll let the guest uh will be courteous let the guest go first who you got Hmm. I think I'm going to go with T.A. I think T.A. figures out Bieber this time. And he's been he's been around. He's been uh, close lately, but I think he's really going to pop off tomorrow. Tony. I've been just trying to figure out who I'm going with tomorrow. I mean, I went with Wimpy last night. That didn't work. (laughs) Give me a minute, Johnny. Who you got? Uh, since I had my little rant there earlier, I guess I got to back it up. Uh, I can't just leave it open-ended. It'll be Yasmani Grandal. Um, he is, even though it's only three at-bats, uh, he does have a hit off of Bieber. So I'll go with that and uh, his value in, in taking pitches and extending him out a little bit more, Yaz, for me. Give me Adam Engel because he yes. should be starting. You yeah, better and be and if he uh, if he's not in for some reason, then uh, just n- no backup even because that no backup. Like, it's yeah. got to be Adam. Engel. It's got to be Adam Engel. I, I like that one a lot. So um, Chuck, how we usually close the show down? Uh, we throw a shout out to someone. So obviously, an obviously, an, uh, an obvious one for me tonight uh, is you for coming on White Sox Dave last night. Uh, you guys at Barstool White Sox fans, um, you know I think you might be only two of them. Obviously, you got Za uh, in on that as well. So uh, we appreciate you guys uh, having those. But if you have a shout out, uh, feel free to air it out here uh shout out to you guys man i i love i love listening to the uh the post game shows man because i don't have the post game uh, nbc stuff here so you guys uh all the rest of the, the um white Sox fans who have the podcast after i try to listen to them all uh in the morning before the games get me amped up again and uh yeah you guys do a really good job so i'm glad i got to come on so i, I was a little uh little out of it on the mic i do all the behind the scenes stuff like i said earlier so it gets me it gets i gotta uh brush the dust off the old uh mic before i come on again next time but i'll figure out maybe crack a few cold ones while we're uh, in the playoffs yeah, you gotta get lubricated <laughs> a little bit though but yeah no we appreciate you coming on a lot um tony who's yours uh pretty much same as you man i was gonna shout out dave for coming on last night uh, and, and chuck for coming on tonight um, it's just been, uh, it's been a hell of a year for the White Sox and, uh, we haven't had a lot of guests on this show. Um, so I'll shout out Johnny, Buzz, Steve, uh, the rest of the crew here. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a fun year talking about White Sox baseball every single night. And, uh, I can't wait to continue to do this in, in playoff fashion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one last one uh, that I had forgotten about because it was way earlier in the game. Uh, Southside Zoe from Pinwheels and Ivy, uh, he had a hilarious gif of shocking the White Sox offense to life. Uh, kind of gift shift it uh, with himself in there, so I thought that was hilarious. Um, gave me a good chuckle early on in the game when we were trying to get something going offensively. So that's it. That wraps it up. That was this edition of Sox on Tap. Once again, unfortunately, um, they fall 5-3 to three in extras tonight to the Indians. It will be a battle of the Aces tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, September 23rd. 
5, 10 p.m. Central Time Start. So uh, that about does it. Make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow us on Twitter at SoxOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. We'd really appreciate it. So, Chuck, uh, as we close out here, since I just did our read, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you if White Sox fans may not be familiar with Chuck Naso. Um, I'm on Twitter at Chuck Naso, but I'm a company man. So find me at uh, Barstool Sports Twitter, Instagram, Facebook uh, for all your comedy needs, uh, videos, memes, whatever the fuck you want for NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB playoffs. And please download the Barstool Sports app. If uh, the Barstool Sportsbook app, if you're in Philadelphia, even though this is probably a White Sox heavy podcast, but if you have any friends or family in Philadelphia, we just opened our sportsbook last weekend. Um, so it'd be really cool if you could uh, get your friends and family to download it. Awesome. All right. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Um, Tony, got any final words before we uh, sign off? Win tomorrow. Not up. Win tomorrow. I like that. Good resonating message. All right. That's it. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. Are you a sports card collector? Are you looking to buy or sell your vintage cards? If so, contact Josh over at Midwest Vintage Cards. With over 25 years of experience in the field, Midwest Vintage Cards will pay you cash for your collection. Check out their eBay store by searching Midwest Vintage Cards or follow them on Instagram at Midwest Vintage Cards. Contact Josh at 847-602-8604 or email him at josh at midwestvintagecards.com to get your quote today.